So we've been going through a series, uh, kind of a mini-series within our big series, and that's uh, turning acts into action. Uh, this is going to be my attempt to make a transition from that series. Uh, we kind of still are in it, but uh, we're going to move that into our Christmas um, series of about three weeks. And uh, so anyway, I've entitled this, uh, Let Us Prepare for Christmas. Um, and boy, it seems like, you know, Christmas always had its own month, like December. They get not just a day, but they get a whole month. But anymore, it just seems like they get November too, right? I mean, they're almost taking over Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, Julia's parents were walking in, and I was greeting them, and I said, so how was your Christmas? <laughs> and I got so totally confused. I think sometimes they're intending to try to confuse us that uh, November is Christmas too. But anyway, that's what we're going to do. This is going to be kind of a transition uh, Sunday for us. Let us prepare for Christmas. I, I was thinking of this when I was over at Carrie's house and Carrie and Cole's house the other day. She has this sign that she made um, through Emily when you guys were doing your craft things. And, and it says, uh, Merry uh, Christmas. You know, Christ was spelled in bold letters and then M-A-S was in the smaller cap letters. And, and I really like that. And then I was thinking about, you know, this is the Sunday that we decorate uh, as, as a church. And so tonight I want to invite you all back uh, to help us do that. But just thinking about those kinds of things, it just got me thinking about this. How do you prepare for Christmas? I mean, what is it that you t- typically do in order to make this transition from Thanksgiving to Christmas? Maybe you've already done it. You know, I, I think we all have our, like, our little uh, routine or our rhythm that we do uh, to get into that. Uh, Lori's has definitely got to do with music. I mean, before Thanksgiving hits, I mean, the Christmas music has already started to play, right? Uh, some of us do it through shopping. When we start doing our shopping list, and, you know, start doing our Christmas shopping, that is where we start preparing ourselves uh, for Christmas. Um, maybe it's ringing the bells, you know. I, it, they're already at, at the stores uh, ringing those uh, bells for, for, uh, uh, for a good cause. Uh, but whatever it is, you know, maybe it's food, maybe it's lights. You know, Christmas isn't, you don't start preparing until you start hanging lights. That's what my brother's uh, boy was doing at their house yesterday, was hanging and stringing lights. But how do you prepare? You know, every one of us has somewhat our own approach to preparing. Um, and it got me thinking that God did that too, right? God had his own way of preparing uh, for that first Christmas that first uh, time that Christ entered in. And so that's where I want us to go, is just thinking about that. When we go to the book of Acts, you know, and we're, we're given this uh, uh, Christmas story that we read, it, it starts with a, the birth of a child, but it doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. It starts with the birth of who? John the Baptist, right? So John the Baptist is the one is kicking off this this uh, story for us. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, like, why is it that John the Baptist is the first one being born when it's all about Jesus being born? And the reason is, is that's how God himself prepared for the entry of his son. And it tells us this. In fact, um, uh, well, before we get to that, you know, Luke, the author, he is, he's a Gentile, in fact, it tells us in Luke 1, 3, it says, It seemed good to me to write an orderly account for you. 
Now, the reason he's writing an orderly account for us instead of an eyewitness account for us is because he's not an eyewitness. He wasn't one of them that, that walked around with Jesus. He became a follower of Jesus later. And uh, so he is walking around, this, this doctor, this, this really smart individual, is walking around and interviewing all of these these eyewitnesses. So he's interviewing Matthew, and he's interviewing Mary, and, and John, and Peter, and all of these people that we read about in the Gospels. And he's laying out an orderly account for everyone to uh, read. And so that's where, you know, the author is coming from, is just trying to make it as orderly as possible. So, so that's why he wants to make sure that we know about John the Baptist before the entry of Jesus. You know, and, and it's definitely the way that, that God wanted it, right? Because in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Who's the messenger? Well, it's John the Baptist. Isaiah prophesied about John's ministry this way, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And the point is, is that John had come first to prepare the way, to get everything ready for Christmas to take place. So what was John's mission in preparing the way? Like, what was his job? In Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it says that his mission was to make ready for the peop- make ready for the Lord a people prepared. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. His job was to prepare them for Christmas, right? You know... John's dad, Zechariah, who, who was a priest, when he encountered the angel, this is what was revealed to him. Be called the prophet, that, and this is what Zechariah prophesied about his son later, to be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his, his way to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from a high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of, the, of death, to guide our feet into the way of, of peace. And so Zechariah knew that this was, this was what his son was born for, was to prepare people, to get them ready for the one who will come after and the one who will save people from their sins. So, so John's objective was to, to tell people, hey, Jesus is coming, and you need to be prepared. You need to be ready for his coming. It tells us in John chapter 1, 29, we read there that John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he pointed, he pointed Jesus out to them. And not only was he preparing, like telling them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, right? 
But when Jesus eventually did come, he pointed them out to him, and that's the one I've been telling you. That's the one I've been preparing you for. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. He says, people only see what they are prepared to see. You think that's true? People only see what they are prepared to see. I think it's true. To illustrate that, you know, this this dad was taking his son to a a place to get a a Christmas tree. I don't know if it was a Christmas tree farm or if it was in the woods. I, I think it was a Christmas tree farm, but... But he was going, and they were, they, there was a place where there was just these trees, these cedar trees everywhere. And he was wanting his son to pick the tree. And so they was going through, and, and he was just like, well, so what do you think of this tree? And his son didn't want that tree. And he was thinking, well, what do you think about this tree? And you know, his son didn't want this tree. And this went on for like a few hours, and his dad was getting tired. And finally, he just said to his son, he's like, son, the next tree I think will work is the one we're cutting down. And his son got this, like, this shock look on his face, and he says, Dad, even if it doesn't have Christmas lights on it? <laughs> he was looking for a Christmas tree, and a Christmas tree has Christmas lights, right? And it was because that's what he was prepared to see. You know, I, I think this happens, like, all the time in our world, if you'll just pay attention. We're, we're constantly having people speak into our lives, and they're trying to prepare us to see things from a certain way. Let me give you another illustration, and we'll dive back into God's Word. I, I, I still am just super divided whether the vaccine is a good choice or not. Now, maybe you got it all figured out, but I just don't. I mean, like, now, I've been vaccinated, and, and I suppose, like, 10 years from now, if we have this conversation, we'll be like, pretty sure on who made the best choice, right? We'll be like, okay, that's, that's the choice we should have made. But right now, it's just kind of hard to figure out. Now, I know that there are just like super strong opinions on both sides for, from a, a group, you know, a large group of people. Like, if you're for it, you have like your boatload of data, you know, like that it literally could fill a book of data why you should get vaccinated. And then I know that those who, of us that are like totally against it, I know we have a boatload of data that would show why we shouldn't get it and why it's harmful or whatever the reason is. But we both have it. I mean, like, that's what this kind of blows me away. I'm just totally confused. And, and I've just kind of decided, and maybe this is where you are, maybe it's not, but just like, I'm just going to make this decision what I think is best for me. And I'm just going to trust that everybody else is doing that too, right? And I'm just going to support. If they don't want to do it, I'm just, going to, I'm just going to support that. And if they do want to do it, I'm just going to support that because I really just don't have any idea. I really don't. But what do we see? We see people prepared to see what they're going to see. They're prepared. That's what I mean, right? Who prepares us to see it. I mean, because some are prepared to see the vaccine is very dangerous, while others are prepared to see that it is a lifesaver. Like, it was, it's really a good thing that happened. Who prepares us to see, like, these extremes, like, one way or the other? Well, I think we're prepared by who is preparing us. Like, for some of us, it would be like CNN is speaking like a lot into our lives, and it's preparing us to see things the way we see it. Or on the other side of that, like Fox News is preparing us to see things the way we are. Maybe it's 
Facebook has prepared us to see things the way that we see it. Maybe it's our family or our friends, you know. This, you know how kids are when they go to school. You always know, like if they're third graders, you know what their parents are going to vote when comes November, right? Because they're, they're just telling you, man, he's, he's terrible or he's great. And there's third graders. They don't know much, but, but they know where their parents stand on it. And maybe that's kind of what prepares us, you know, to see this is just that. Maybe it's got to do with our coworkers who we work with and who we talk with. Maybe it's got to do with just instinct. I don't know why I feel the way I feel, but I just don't think it's a good idea or I do think it's a good idea. And maybe we just go with that. Maybe it's our political bias. Here's the thing. It's probably a mixture of a whole bunch of those things, right? But the reality is, is that we are prepared to see it the way that we are prepared to see it because somebody's prepared us. Just like right now, I am trying to prepare us to see it a certain way. And that's the way it is with pretty much anything and everything. When you even go Christmas shopping, they're trying to prepare you to see an item a certain way through a lens that they want you to see it. Their, their product is way better than this other dude's product over here, you know. I was told this true story, you see, the other day. And, and it's, it's a young lady and her husband just had their first child. And, and they were very, very concerned when they had this, their first child that, that they just wanted to protect their child. You know, you go into this, if you've ever been there, you know, what it feels like, but all of a sudden you just feel so responsible for this new life. And, and this, this new mom was probably maybe overprotective, I don't know, but it is the way that she saw it, and she just wanted to protect this child from all of these things that are out there, especially COVID. And so she decided to kind of go, and go into isolation. So like for the first four months of, of this child's life, they really didn't have any connection with family as such. But she realized, her and her husband realized that they can't live like this for the rest of their lives. And they were missing, you know, the connection of family and loved ones. And so, but they also knew that they couldn't just like, you know, ditch the way that they felt. And so they were going to try to move slowly into this. And so what they did was they, they made a contact with someone that is really close to them. And so they, they called, she called up her grandpa and and she asked if her grandpa and his wife would come over and visit their great-granddaughter. And he was super excited to hear from her, super excited for the invitation. And they, he was like, yes. And, and so then she says, uh, Grandpa, since you haven't been vaccinated, would you mind that you guys wear a mask when you're around the little one? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And they set a date. And, and just the day before they went to go visit this new child. She, he called up his granddaughter and says, well, we have been contemplating and thinking about this, and we have decided that we're not going to wear masks when we come. It doesn't do any good anyway, and, and that's just the way we feel about it. Well, that's the way he feels about it, but she feels about it like a different way, and so she's like, I'm sorry to hear that. I guess we will just have to postpone and wait for another time. And it just got me thinking, like, because we are prepared to see things the way that we're prepared to see, sometimes it can really create division. Isn't that why Jesus, isn't that why God sent John the Baptist into the world? Because there was already these people that were prepared to see 
things the way that they were going to see things. And God knew that they weren't going to be ready to accept his son Jesus. Their hearts weren't ready. It's a crazy thing, but we are a stubborn group of people, aren't we? I mean, we always claim that everybody else that doesn't see our way is stubborn. I don't know why they don't see it my way, you know? But the reality is, is God has to deal with this. He has to deal with stubborn people that are just determined that their way is the right way and everybody else is wrong. And that's what God was trying to do when he sent John the Baptist into the world, was to prepare a way to make straight the paths so that people's heart would be ready. But did he accomplish that? For some he did. For some he did, and for some he didn't. And and it's just one of those things that it is just a difficult task, isn't it? And there was this division that, that, that God was trying the best he could to make right and to be ready. That's why it tells us in John chapter 1, verse 6. We're going to get back into God's word now. John chapter, six, or chapter 1, verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God. Now, who was that man? It wasn't Jesus he's talking about. He's talking about John the Baptist, right? There was a man that was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, meaning about Jesus, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him. And yet the world did not know Jesus. But he came to his own, and his own people did not recognize him. But God did everything he could to prepare everyone for Christmas. He wanted everybody to receive and acknowledge and embrace his son at at Christmas. But not everybody did, but a lot of people did. Why is it that they did not? It's because they were prepared to see things the way that they were going to see things. And they let their stubbornness really hinder them from seeing it the way God wanted them to see it. And they, and they just weren't prepared to see Jesus. The reason they weren't prepared is that their, their hearts were blind and, and because of sin in their life. In, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it tells us that John the Baptist preached, and this is what he preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning that it has arrived, it has come, it is here. And we, and we better get our lives in order. We better realize that God is in authority and we are not. We better just yield to him, is kind of what he's preaching, right? We just better yield to him and let him be the one who decides what is right and wrong and how we should behave. In order for people to be prepared for Jesus, this is what John needed to preach, is to preach this, this message of repentance, of yielding oneself 
Do you know what kind of people repent? I was thinking about this today, like, what kind? I mean, people repent, but not all people repent. What kind of people repent? It's people that acknowledge that they were wrong. Because people that are re- refuse to acknowledge that they are wrong, they don't repent. Isn't that a crazy thing? It's like there's this, this stubbornness, this, this, this decision that I'm right, and I'm going to hold to it, no matter what. But when we decide to repent, it's like we're letting go of that stubbornness. We're letting go of that opinion. We're letting go of that, that way that we may be held dear for generations after generations. And we're just saying, okay, God, you're, you're right. And I'm just going to follow your way. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, John the, ba- John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who has spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then down in verse 5 it says, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit and keep in your with repentance. I don't know about you, but does that not shock you? Like, why wouldn't he have had an open arm? Like, everybody's welcome to be baptized into these waters. Everybody's welcome. But it's almost like he was welcoming everybody besides the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because when he saw them coming to his baptism... He's just like, who warned you to come here to be baptized into this? What was John doing? I mean, doesn't it seem like to be a hateful thing to do? But what John was doing is he was trying to make clear that this isn't a religious thing. We're not just playing church right now. What we are doing is we are turning our hearts over to God and letting him be in control of our thinking and our way of life, and our choices. And if you're just coming here to just have a ceremonial washing of some kind of spiritual gathering, then this isn't for you. This is not for you. This is only for those who are wanting to, what did he say there? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit, that's like putting action, you know. In fact, that's kind of why we entitled putting acts into action because let's read the scripture and then let's figure out how to apply it and then let's go and do it, right? And that's what John was really getting at here. It sounds like he was being pretty harsh, but he was talking to these people, these religious people who have allowed their hearts and their way of thinking to be uh, more important than actually just being surrendered to God. And God knew that they would miss it if somebody didn't come and prepare them and change their thinking and change their stubbornness. They would miss it. They would make it about something other than Jesus if, if, if I don't try to help this. And so John comes. Interesting enough, though, right, after John does all this preaching about repentance, 
when Jesus got his opportunity to start teaching the people, he really didn't change the tone much, did he? He began to just kind of pick up right where John left off, and he began to tell them, you need to repent for the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says to the kingdom of God is near. It's here. It's me. In fact, uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 3, it says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you, sh- you will all likewise perish. Repent or you will perish, is what Jesus said. Why would Jesus speak so harshly? I thought he came to be the one who ate with sinners and welcomed people. You know, no matter what their background, no matter what they did, I thought he would just come to open arms and just welcome them in. Why is he being so harsh? In fact, he tells us, you know, in other places that he called them brood of vipers too, right? Woe to you. Remember the woes in Matthew, I think, 7? Woe to you. Well, it was completely out of love that Jesus spoke this way. It was completely out of love that John spoke this way, even though it sounded so harsh. It was completely out of love that God himself sent John with that message, sent his son Jesus with that message, is because he was trying the best he could to, to change their direction and move them in a direction that would bring salvation to them. It says in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, after the, you know, Jesus went into heaven and uh, Peter began to preach and they had this tongue thing going on where everybody was hearing in their own tongue, right, what he was, what he was saying. So all these people were hearing in their own languages. And, and it was a really a, an amazing thing. But in the, me- in the midst of his message, after he got to explaining to them this Jesus and who he was and what, what he came to do, he finishes it in verse 36, and he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. He is the Christ, the one who came to save you, but he is also Lord, meaning that he is not going to let you be in charge anymore. This Jesus whom you crucified. And it must have been a, a very impactful sermon, right? Because the people there begin to just see themselves in the midst of what he was saying. And they begin to feel this, like, like this cutting and this, this, this uh, um, uh, I don't know, where, where, where they were just felt convicted of what they had done. Like, man, we've done something seriously wrong here. We've been seeing things wrongly. How did we miss it? How is it that we made it about something other than Jesus? And they made it about a lot of things. You know, about their own welfare. You know, just elevating themselves and, and wanting the prestige. They made it about politics. You know, just wanting what was best for them and their position and, and their culture. They made it about a lot of things. But made it about family, you know. It's, it's the Israelites are the only people that are in kind of thing. But, but they missed it somehow. And then all of a sudden they realized that they missed it and they were cut to the heart. And some of them, not all of them, but some of them said, brothers, what do we do? 
And that's when Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sin. Repent. That was the, like the theme, right? Is to change. And this, this theme about repentance and also about just trying to help people understand, religious people understand, that, that unless they see things the way God sees things, they're, they're, they're off track. Like they're not in the right place. Was something all the way through. So in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, it says, this is Peter preaching again, and he says, you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. You ever wonder, like, what side you would have been on? I mean, if we all were back then, and we all were raised Jews, Israelites, we all were raised with prepared to see life from a certain standpoint, would we have been, like, followed the majority of the crowd and been right there with them? Have you ever wondered that? I, I do. I don't know why I do, but I just wonder, like, would I would have been the rebellious? Because that almost would have appeared like you were rebellious if you accepted Jesus, right? Would I have been the rebellious type, or would I have been one that just conformed to the way my parents taught me and my grandparents taught me? There was a, there was a pretty tough task for John, wasn't it, to prepare these people? It tells us in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, it says, well, just to, before I read it, just to kind of set you up here, but, but Peter was constantly preaching this theme, that you were responsible for not being ready for Christ and, and trying to make it about something other than, and and uh, so much so that they were tired of hearing it. Like, like, that's all you ever say, Peter. And so that's why in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intended to bring this man's blood upon us. Like, the only thing you ever say, everywhere you go, is that we're responsible for this man's blood. But the reality is, is what? What, church? They were. Because they were so stubborn and they were so set in their ways. They loved God. But, man, they just could not get past seeing things the way they were prepared to see them. But Peter didn't stop. He continued to tell them, you need to repent, be baptized. You know, I got, I got to tell my story again the other day. You know, my story. Like, you all have a story, too. Uh, Kaylee, who was baptized last week, she now has her story, right? And, and, this, and the story depends on where she starts, you know, about whom she encountered that started making these, helping prepare her to see things the way that she should have been seeing things. Me, too. You know, when I was working at the ammunition plant, that's my story, right? You guys have heard it many times. I... There was two guys that were working there. Like, I know God was preparing me ever since I was a little kid. I felt God prepare me. But, but it was really the, 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 the pivotal point in my life was when we were working at the ammunition plant, midnight shift, two guys, one Baptist guy that was always reading his Bible while the rest of us were playing pitch. I, I learned to play pitch uh, there. And 
a Presbyterian began to ask him. That's funny, though. I don't remember their names. I don't remember the Baptist guy's name. I worked with him for like not quite a year. And I don't remember the Presbyterian guy's name. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even recognize him if I saw him on the road. Which is just, it that's, baffles me that I can't remember that. But I remember that they was a Baptist and I remember he was a Presbyterian, right? And they were just having a conversation with God. And it was through that conversation that they were having with each other and me just eavesdropping. They didn't even know what they were doing to me. The guy that's just sitting on the corner over here just listening to them talk. That conviction was coming upon me. And I knew what God, I mean, like everything was super crystal clear. Either, Mike, you repent and make Jesus Lord of your life or not. I was raised from the little kid to think that Christianity was the way to go. I wasn't raised Buddhist or Hindu or anything like that. I was raised that Christianity is the way to go. <coughs> I would have never told anybody that I rejected Jesus. Oh, my goodness. <coughs> um, rejected Jesus. <coughs> Can bring me some water? Um, <clears throat> I would have <clears throat> never... Th- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that I rejected Jesus because I never did. Never would I have said I rejected him. But yet... I rejected him. Like the moment that he made it clear to me, I realized that I was not going his way. I was going my way. I was, I was more than happy with him to, than for Jesus to follow me around and go my way, right? I, but I was not going Jesus' way. I wasn't putting him in charge saying, you get to decide what you want me to do with my life. So I got to share this story the other day, my story. And and it just made me realize that I don't even remember these people's names. I, I, I can't give them credit at all to this. But here's what I, it dawned on me. And that is that it doesn't make them insignificant. God knows their names. They're, they're very special to me because they played a pivotal part of me being who I am today and, and doing what I do today, serving the Lord with my life. Um. But I can't give them credit by name because I don't know them, but God knows their names. You know, it tells us in Second Timothy 2, 19, it says, uh, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And he just does. John was born to preach Jesus. That's like what he was given the task to do. In fact, everything that John the Baptist did was to point people to Jesus. That, that, why he wore the crazy stuff he wore and ate the crazy stuff he ate was not to make... It made him... Everybody knew who John the Baptist was, right? It made him stand out among the crowd. But he didn't do it to stand out among the crowd because he was wanting to become famous. He did it to stand out among the crowd so that he could make somebody else famous. There's, that's so different, isn't it? When we are trying to point people to another person versus pointing them to ourselves. And we always know this too. 
We always know when somebody is really trying to disabsorb all of that glory for themselves versus to reflect that glory upon somebody else. You know, they're trying to promote somebody else. We know that full well in the world around us, especially when it's connected with Jesus and people that are trying to promote Jesus. And, and that's what John did. And it says in Luke chapter 1, it says, On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall, not be, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives are called by that name. Why would you call him that? Because name choosing was almost sacred back then. It was sacred for the Jewish people, but it was sacred to God himself. If you go through the Old Testament, and any time that God renames somebody, like Abram to Abraham and, and Saul to Paul, and, you know, any time, it was a specific purpose, and who he, what, the name he chose had a specific meaning. But even other times that he names people in the Bible, that name meant something. It wasn't just like, oh, I like that sound. And so it was just different the way that it was. And so that's why they were having this hard time. Why would you name him John? Nobody's named that. And, and they made this sign to their father, to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be named. And he answered for, uh, you know, writing on a tablet, he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered, hmm, why John? Well, we know why John in Luke chapter 1, verse 13 it tells us this, because the angel said to him, said to Zechariah, the dad, right? Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard, and your, your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. John was one of these places that God picked the name. This is what you're going to name him. What does John mean? Well, it means God is gracious. That's what it means. So God sent John into the world to be a forerunner, to prepare people for Jesus. And God intentionally names him John for a very specific reason, because so, he wants everybody to know that runs into John that God is gracious. John is not preaching very gracious. He's calling people brood of vipers, and he's going to cut down the tree and throw them on, you know, on the fire and all this stuff. But he, God is trying to communicate to the world, I'm doing this because I am gracious. I am gracious. Ephesians, and I'm trying to bring this all together. I know we are, like, you're trying to figure out where are we going with this, Mike. Well, I haven't told you yet. Ephesians 2, 8 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not at your own doing, it is a gift of God. God prepared the world for that first Christmas by sending John the Baptist into the world. And then he, through that, he has given us an opportunity to receive his gift to us. And that gift is Jesus. And it's through that gift that we have eternal life, that we have our forgiveness of our sins. It is because of Jesus that we come to the table and we take this juice and this bread. And it's all because God is gracious.
and you were reborn. If you are in Jesus Christ today, the Bible tells us that you have been born again, right? And it tells us in, in Romans 6 that when you, are, when you are buried in the water, a grave, you are buried and connected with Jesus' death. But when you are raised up out of that, you're able to walk what? In a newness of life, it says. All of a sudden, your life is no longer your own. The Bible says we were bought and purchased. And when we are walking in this newness of life, what is our job, church? Our job is to take up where we perceived John to have left off. It's to be preparers. I don't know how you are preparing for Christmas, but I know that God is still preparing people for Christmas through his people. He's like using you to prepare somebody else's Christmas. And I just want to remind you of that. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Like he appointed us all of a sudden to be the little Johns running around here, helping prepare people for Christmas. I want to read two verses and then we're going to close. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. This is what Paul later wrote. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I become as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I become as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I become as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul became a John the Baptist, didn't he? I mean, like he figured it out. Like my whole, my whole purpose in life is just to be whatever I need to be around any crowd or any group of people I need to be just to make sure that they are prepared to see Jesus for what Jesus is. And John got it. He was an ambassador not for this country or his country. He was an ambassador for God himself. His objective was to promote Jesus, not his own views about certain things, but his job was to promote Jesus and to make sure that people saw Jesus and all of his glory, to prepare hearts to welcome Jesus, like to really welcome the Christ child into their life. That was how he prepared 
people for Christmas because that's how he saw that John prepared people for Christmas. That's how he saw God prepared people for Christmas, is to send John for that reason. Here's the last verse, and it's the next chapter of what Paul is writing there in 1 Corinthians 9. He says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So, this is like his conclusion. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Don't offend people. Love people. Connect with people. If you're in a Jewish crowd, do what you need to do to connect with those people. If you're in a Gentile crowd, do what you need to do to connect those people. Don't sin, just like he was saying in chapter 9. But do everything you do to connect with them. Why? Because you are the preparer for these people to accept Jesus in their lives. So, so give no offense to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. But as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage. Right there, that should be like highlighted for us. Because that's what we often do. But that of many, that they may be saved. And then I love this next verse. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of Paul, who is imitating John. Who are both using their lives completely and wholeheartedly for the sake of if we're going to reap something that actually has substance to it in this church, then we have to promote Jesus. Not our own views, not our own stubborn ways, not the way that we were prepared before Christ to see the world around us, but the way that we know that Jesus sees the world around us, the way he wants us to prepare people for him so that they would be ready to accept him. This is how we treat people. So how do you prepare for Christmas? Well, I hope you will learn a little something or maybe to be reminded of something you already knew about the way that John did and let's imitate him. Let me pray. Father God, we uh, thank you so much that as we enter into this uh, season that we not only are reminded and remember that it is all about your grace and all about what you have done for us but that we begin to use everything that we can to just point people to Jesus. That we would see how, that they would see how loving, how gracious, how good, how serious, He is. Father, we just pray that we would paint a picture that reminds everyone that this season is all about the one who came to save us. We just thank you so much, Father, for calling us into your family and giving us this task of being ambassadors to those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.